Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. Welcome back, everybody. This is Dylan with the Your Creativity Podcast. This is the episode closing out 2017 and kind of back to our roots where everything started. Me by myself in a studio doing a phoner. Um, today's guest is Michael Grandinetti. He's an illusionist. How are you, Michael? Dylan, I'm great. It's good to talk with you. Good to talk with you, too. So you've you've been on TV. You've been at big sporting events. You've been uh, performed for Fortune 500 companies and uh, at the White House. But h- how would you describe yourself? What 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 you do? Well, uh, first of all, I, w- I always start by saying I'm a very lucky guy. I- I'm somebody who I would describe myself as somebody who gets to live out his basically his childhood dream. I, I wanted to be a magician since I was a little kid, um, and the fact that I get to do it every day, uh, I feel very uh, grateful for that. So. That's, that's the number one way I describe myself. The number two way is that I am a magician, and my goal and my passion is to take magic into as many places as possible, especially places where it hasn't gone before. That, to me, is really a fun challenge. So that's kind of my driving force. It's it's always good to evolve yourself because if, if you're stagnant, you know, at one point it's like, what's the point, right? Well, I agree. That's the great thing about magic is that there is so much you can do with it. Um, you know, I've been doing magic for 30 years. I started when I was, you know, five. Um, but even in all that time, I feel like I've just kind of scratched the surface of what's out there to do. So, I, you know, I feel like I run out of time before I run out of stuff to do. What are some, like, big um, performances that you that are kind of in your dream, on your dream list that you haven't gotten to yet? Well, you know, that's that's an interesting question. Um, you know, for years it was all about taking magic to stadiums, and and then we, you know, we I did we did that, and and that was still to this day that's one of the, my most you know um, favorite memories. But things things to kind of aim for in the future. There's a lot of television uh, work that I want to do because I think magic and television fit together really really well. Um, and combining magic with television has been a passion of mine for many years. So I have plans for, you know, kind of ideas that I've um, created over the years for shows and for specials, for series. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of television areas that I want to take magic into. And then for the live shows, oh, boy, I mean, it, it's a big world out there. And there are so many, not, there are so many ways to go, not even, not only just theaters and casinos, and arenas and stadiums, but there are some really cool locations where you can do location-driven magic um, that I think is really interesting. I'll give you I'll give you an example of that. So okay. a couple years back, we did the um, I was I performed in the Fourth of July parade in Washington D.C. and I was thrilled to be asked, um, and I was even more thrilled when they told me I was the first magician that they ever invited. So it was so exciting. And what we what I did was what we did was I, you know I made a girl float above a float as we moved down Constitution Avenue in Washington, and so that's an idea of an illusion that, that we created specifically to take advantage of the event and the area and the location, um, and, and, and it was it was amazing. It was a wonderful experience. So doing things like that, I think there's just 
again, it's a big world out there, so I think the sky's the limit as to, as to where magic can be taken. Speaking of D.C., you got to perform at the White House for uh, President Obama? Actually, it was right at the end of, it was right before uh, he came in. It was right at the end of the Bush years that oh, I was okay. there. But very close. You were off by one year. <laughs> just, just by a little bit. Tell us about that experience. It was, it was again, another amazing experience. Um, you know, first of all, I mean, there's so many there's so many ways this answer can go. First of all, when, when you're going to the White House, security, is, as you can imagine, it is like top-notch. I yeah. mean, they are, as, as it needs to be. Um, now, when you're a magician and you're coming in with things of a very unusual nature, you could imagine where it could be a little bit challenging to kind of come in and, you know, as a magician, my first, my first goal is to keep the secrets and the preservation of the magic, right? Now, the Secret Service, they need to know how every, they need to know exactly, precisely what you're coming in with and what everything is. So it was, you know, point number one was it was a challenge to um, kind of come in and try and keep as much of the magic preserved as possible. But of course, respecting, you know, what it is. Um, you know, I, I want them to be comfortable, and I, you know, obviously security. I'm happy to to participate in all of that. Once you got past that, um, you know, then it was it was just one of those experiences where you kind of it almost feels surreal because you're right on the White House grounds. Um, the president and his family were about 25 feet away, and just being in D.C., just the feel of the city has has an amazing kind of historic feel to it. So the day went by, it was like a blur. You know, I went by so fast. Um, but it was an amazing, amazing experience. I, I wouldn't trade that one for anything. Now, um, you, you said you started when you were about five years old. Tell us tell us what got you started and, you know, like when was your first uh, um, performance? Well, I was lucky that I started young. I, I think like a lot of kids that got a magic set for Christmas, I was about five years old and... But for some reason, when I got this magic set, that was it. I was just hooked. I was just drawn to it. And it became kind of my focus. And, uh, you know, everything I did moving forward from there was driven by my goal of becoming a magician. So, you know, every other kind of birthday or Christmas after that, I would get a different magic set or, you know, uh, some, some kind of magic-related item from the toy store. And once everything... There was kind of kind of bought out. Um, my parents found a magic store in downtown Pittsburgh where I grew up, and then as I got a little bit older, every probably every couple of weeks, my dad would take me down there, and I would spend my allowance money on on you know different pieces of magic, and I would just I would get lost in that store. It wasn't a giant store, but I would just stare at everything for you know really hours. My dad would have to go out and keep putting money in the parking meter, send everyone to leave. Um, but it was it was wonderful, and I kept, you know, it, it allowed me to be very goal driven. I would go down there, I would buy something, but I would also see something that I wanted that might be a little bit out of my price range. So I would save up and I would work harder so I can get that piece. And then I would, it, it was like a cycle. I would save up and work harder to get the next piece. Self motivation. Build a show. Yeah, and and um, you know, then neighbor, some of the neighbors in in the, in the neighborhood where I grew up. They heard I did magic, and they invited me to do their backyard parties. And um, and from there, I started to do little shows around the, the neighborhood. I was probably about 13 at that point. Um, and then it kind of snowballed, and I was doing more and more shows. And by the time I was 15 and 16, I started to add larger illusions 
to my show and become very serious about building my show. So, you know, it was a process, honestly, that, that started very young and it just, it just continued. It just never, it never went away. That's great. I, I find art that keeps you going, you know, each thing just leads into the next thing. I just, I find it amazing. Um, what, who has inspired you throughout the years? Um, either developing yourself more or, you know, things that they've done that interest you? Well, you know, I'm inspired by a, a lot of people, um, both in, in, both, you know, in entertainment and outside of entertainment. Um, I really, you know, in the magic world, I looked at, you know, I can't say that there was any singular influence or a singular person that, that um, was like a lone inspiration, but I, I really studied a wide range of magic growing up. Um, you know, when I was when I was growing up, there was no YouTube, there was no internet, so I would trade videotapes with other magicians around the country. Yeah. And I watched everything that I could, everything that I could, and I learned what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, and there was a lot of magicians that, that, you know, were just, anybody who I could tell put the time into magic to really study it and to really, you know, give their all to their performance inspired me. That really when I could see that work and that creativity that went into it, that inspired me. And there were a lot of people like that. And then outside of magic, people in general in the entertainment field, any performer who really connected with their audience, because that's, that's the goal of any performer, whether you do magic or whether you sing or whether you're a comedian, it's all about connecting with the audience. And as an audience member, you can tell, you can sit there in the audience and know when they're connecting. So anybody who was able to kind of really build that relationship with the audience, that really inspired me. That really inspired me. And then on top of that, you know, I had some really good role models growing up in my family, in the community, who were just good people and hard workers and honest people. And, you know, I always said that's, that's how I wanted to be. So both personally and professionally growing up, I had a lot of good, a lot of good influences. Okay. You, you mentioned creativity in there. Um, when you're creating um, new acts and stuff, what types of uh, conditions are the most um What's the word I'm looking for? The, what are the best conditions for you to develop new things? Like alone or, you know, collaborating with others? Well, I usually do it alone. Um, I, you know, it's not saying that's the best way to do it, but that that's what works for me is kind of sitting down and really focusing on what I want to do and trying a lot of different um, um, different directions and seeing what works and see, seeing what doesn't work. Um, and that's a fun, for me, that's, a, that's kind of a fun exercise. And the one thing that, I, that I'm really strict about is that I don't rush something through. When I uh, am working on an idea, if it takes two weeks, if it takes, if it takes two months, um, I really want to be careful to make sure that I get to the perfect end point for what I'm looking for. I'll give you an example. So, Many years ago, I heard this piece of music, and I could just see in my mind walking through a wall when I heard this piece of music, and I could just see it. And but I didn't know anything else other than I want to walk through a piece. I want to walk through a wall to this music. I kept listening to the music. I kept listening to the music, and I started to envision more and more elements of what this illusion would look like. I could see one hand coming through the wall. I could see the other hand coming through. I could see pulling my body through. Um, and then I, I envisioned, what would we make the wall out of? And then I figured, well, steel. You know, it's such a strong um, kind of image. 
And then, you know, but I experimented. I sat there and I experimented with, okay, how big are we going to make the wall? Should the wall be tall or should it be more wide? How thick are we going to make the wall? How heavy can the steel be to really make it functional? Uh, what technology, what magical technology is, you know, do I want to use to create the illusion? And, and quite honestly, off and on, that piece took about almost seven years before I, from the time I heard the music to the time I actually performed it for an audience. So, you know, for me, and it's a long answer to your question, but um, sitting there and really digging deep into um, all aspects of what may be possible is kind of really what works what works for me. Now, I'll still always run stuff past people who I trust and say, hey, here's what I'm working on. You know, tell me what you think. Does this sound good? Do you, you know, do you have any thoughts? What do you, and then you get little bits and pieces of ideas and, and um, or even, even if they don't give you an idea, they may go, eh, I don't like that. That doesn't sound too, you know, it doesn't sound, it's not, it's not connecting with me for some reason. And that inspires you to go back and look at it from a different area. But, um, you know, for me, that's what I like to do is sit down and by myself and find the right music and then let it guide me in all these directions. That's awesome. What's the best and worst part of what you do? Hmm. Well, the best part, the best part, and, and, and I can give you like a half-hour answer on that because it goes in so many directions. I'll, I'll try and yeah. keep it concise for you. Um, <laughs> but the, the best part is that, look, I, I love it. I get to, my job gets to make people happy. You know, I get to stand on stage, I mean, and do what do what I love to do. Obviously, like I said earlier, it's my childhood dream. But I get to stand there and watch audiences who maybe had a rough day or a rough week, and they're stressed. Um, you know, there's so much coming at, at people every day. And you get to watch them kind of let go and become little kids again and have fun and be amazed. And, you know, there are very few things that, that really amaze people in life. So you get to see people react to that, and I love that. I mean, to be able to do that for people, uh, you know, to make people happy again at the end of the day, it just, I, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it. Um, so that would be the best part of my job, is standing up on stage and watching people smile and be and watch your mouth kind of drop and watch them be happy. It makes all the work worthwhile. Yeah. The hardest part of the job, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's any negatives. Uh, you know, I would there's no, but I would say the most challenging part of the job um, is, well, it, it goes in two directions. One is logistical, because when you, you know, my goal is always to have a big magic show. The bigger, the better. And we have some, I mean, we, we currently carry about 10,000 pounds of equipment when we take on our full show, uh, to, you know, our large scale show. And so logistically, it's a challenge moving the equipment and setting it up and, and all of the people involved. And, and you know, so it, it's a big magic show. is a big, it's just a big, um, you know, it, it's something with a lot of moving parts to move from place to place, but it's completely worth it. But I'll tell you something else that's a challenge that, that um, again, definitely not a negative. It, it's a challenge, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, it's topping yourself. Every year for me, every year is about how do I make this year better than last year? How do I create better magic this year than last year? And that's a challenge, you know, and it, it's, it's one that takes a lot of work and a lot of thought. And I put a lot of hours when I'm not on the road, you know, nine, you know, 90% of the time I'm focused on how do we create better magic constantly and how is our show always moving forward? So 
again, it's it's a lot of that's a lot of a lot of thinking, but uh, I enjoy that a lot. For me, like I said, it, it's on a scale of one to a hundred. You know, I don't think anybody should ever reach a hundred. I think you should always be grabbing for improvement and growth. So that's something that takes a lot of work and time for sure. Uh, you mentioned the tour that's coming up. Tell us about that. Well, my own show, my show that we take around um, is we are traveling around the country all the time. Uh, you know, I say we because I have a great cast of onstage assistants and dancers and technical people. And, yeah, I mean, it kind of ties into the last answer, which is, you know, moving a magic show is a, is a big, um, you know, a magic show in and of itself. An illusion show is a big it's a big undertaking. But, you know, we're traveling everywhere around the country going into 2018. We, we took this past year and basically designed a, uh, an almost brand new show because I was doing the show that I was doing for so long and, and the schedule was so busy, I never really had a chance to... I would put new pieces in here and there. But this past year, I said, I want to create a brand new touring show. So that's what we did in, in the middle of 2017. And we started to introduce it into theaters in the fall. And I've been having so much fun with it. And in 2018, we're going everywhere. I mean, everywhere from Florida to New York to, uh, you know, we have our opening dates are kind of in Raleigh, North Carolina, but we're going to uh, Pennsylvania and Texas and uh, Utah. I'm actually, I'm actually going to be in Utah, not with a full show, but for the, um, I'm doing halftime for the Utah Jazz basketball team in April of 2018. Okay. So well, I'll be out in your neck of the woods. I'll keep an eye out um, for it and come out. Yeah, you do. Come out and, and please come up and say hello. Um, but but the, the new show is our touring show that we take out. Like I said, I'm so excited for it. It is a 90-minute show that features my favorite illusions that we've that we've ever done. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. I have a big five-foot diameter industrial fan with these giant metal blades. And I walked directly through the spinning, the spinning metal blades of this fan. And it is, just looking at the fan, it looks kind of ominous. Yeah. Uh, you know, and when, when those blades are spinning, I mean, they are real and they are dangerous. So it's a very dramatic illusion uh, and one that I'm very proud of. Uh, we're taking on the road my levitation illusion where I levitate 10 feet in the air under really bright lights. And that is a piece that, uh, you know, that's one of the ones done in the stadiums it's become kind of one of my signature pieces and I do it in every show. And, you know, for me, that one never gets old. It just, it's just something so magical about floating 10 feet in the air, but we have large scale appearances. We make large objects appear. We make things disappear. There's a lot of audience interaction where I'm reading the audience members' minds. And there's certain points in the show where the audience members kind of dictate which way the show is going to go, which is a lot of fun because that makes the show different every night. Um, there's also a new piece that we're working on where, you know, for years, magicians have cut people in half, right? All right. This year, we've come up with a way to actually cut an audience member in half. So an audience member is going to get to feel what it feels like, um, to have that kind of magical experience that you've seen in magic shows for all these years. Now they're going to get a chance to do it. And we also, we snap a picture of them and they go home with a picture of them that they can, um, kind of keep as a magical souvenir. So that is something that, um, that's a brand new piece, and I'm really looking forward to watching people react to, you know, react to that one. So it's a really fun show, and it's perfect for people of all ages. I always tell people it is, you know, 
it's perfect for the entire family, uh, which, again, that's, that makes me proud as well. With all this t- touring, do you have a favorite venue or type of venue? No, believe it or not, I, I, nothing. Anywhere where there's an audience who wants to see magic, that's my favorite venue. You know, I, you know we've, I've done magic in a lot of different places that kind of stand out for the special occasions that we've done, like the stadiums or the symphony shows we've done um, or the White House. But as far as venues and audiences, you know, I will perform for wherever there's an audience there who wants to see magic because that's my job, that's what I enjoy doing, and nothing makes me happier, like I said, than seeing people enjoying magic. Other musicians that I've talked to, they've performed at the the Magic Castle in California. Have you had an opportunity to go out there? Yeah, that's a great place, right in the middle of Hollywood. And it's a, for listeners who may have not been there, it's a it's an old mansion that was built in 1903. And in the 60s, they converted it into kind of a magic dinner club where you have dinner and then you go from room to room in this old mansion and you see different magic shows. And it's really a fun place. When I first moved to Los Angeles from from Pittsburgh, where I grew up, um, several years ago, I, I almost just about 15, a little, little more than 15 years ago, um, that was kind of one of the first places I said, I'm going to go perform at the Magic Castle. And it was, it was a blast. It's a formal place where you have to get up and the guys have to wear suits and ties and the ladies have to wear dresses. And it makes for a really fun kind of night out for people. So it's a blast. Have you ever been out there? I have not, but I, I have connections where if I wanted to, I could, I could get my way in. Yeah, if you ever have a chance, definitely go. It's it, it's a lot of fun, and I'm not in L.A. much anymore. I, I still live there, but I'm on the road so much. I don't get a chance to go down there and watch, watch the you know even watch performers as much as I would love to. But for people who love magic, go go check it out. And and if you've never seen magic before, go check it out because you're just going to get, you know, so much. It'll be like magic overload down there. There was no such thing as overload, but you know what I mean. You're going to see a ton of great magic. Yeah. Now. The way I became known of you, uh, Sasha did the interview before on his show on the network. You you have a Christmas special on the CW as part of Masters of Illusions. Tell tell us about that special, and it, it's re-airing um, tomorrow on Monday, the eighteenth of December. Tell us about that uh, special. Well, the special is it's kind of a one-off from the TV series that, that um, we've done for the past four years, and it's going into its fifth year next year. Now, the TV special is normally 30 minutes. The, the Christmas special is an hour. So, so viewers can tune in tomorrow night, I believe it's at 9 o'clock, on the CW, and see Christmas-themed magic, which is really interesting. Now, Christmas-themed magic, it's not just, you know, putting a bow on something and saying it looks Christmassy, but... You know, all the magicians were kind of challenged with creating magic that conveyed the story and the feel of Christmas. So, and I think they did a really good job with it. The illusion that we did on the special involves four Christmas carolers. I don't want to say exactly what happens. I want to kind of keep the surprise. But we did something special with with, uh, four Christmas carolers who, at the end of the show, they kind of come back. Once we utilize them in our illusion, they come back and they sing at the end of the show and kind of wrap the whole show up. So it's a lot of fun. I hope people have a chance to watch it, and I hope they enjoy it. Now, um, Masters of Illusion, have you been involved all uh, four to five years? Yes. I, I've taped – last year I taped my 20th illusion for the show. We normally tape about five illusions every year. 
So, yeah, I've been on every year, and I just got word recently that the show was renewed for 2018, so we have five new illusions ready to go, and, and um, those should be on next summer. How did you get involved with that? How were you approached? Well, I've been doing magic for quite a bit, for many years. Um, when the show started, it first taped in 2013, and uh, by that point, we our illusion show was out on the road and, and doing... Um, we had a pretty full schedule. And I'd already done some other television projects before then. We did a special for NBC. Um, I did, uh, we had, I did on Entertainment Tonight and many of the talk shows. And, but, but the producers had, had called and they said, here's what we're looking to do. And um, I, I, was, I was thrilled to, to, to do it because, you know, Masters of Illusion is a show that every week, families and people of all ages, ages watch and they, they watch it. I've gotten notes that people watch it over and over again and they play it for their kids over and over again. So, and that was kind of the goal going into it was to create a show to, to fill that um, kind of area on television. So when they asked, I said, absolutely. And every year afterward, like I said earlier, it became a fun challenge to how do I, how do I beat myself? How do we keep coming back year after year and creating new magic that hopefully, hopefully a little bit better than what we did before so it um it's been fun it's been a lot of fun I, it's been it's hard to believe it's been five years already but but it has so this is a question i i ask all of our guests it's kind of a bonus question your favorite muppet and why my favorite muppet yeah okay i've got to think about that one i've got to think about that one um hmm. that's a tough one it's it's been it's been. Uh, let me let me throw that back at you. Who is your favorite? Gonzo. Well, you, okay, can't go wrong there. He's awkward, very but he puts himself out there. <laughs> that's a very entertaining, very creative, very, very you know never bored with. You know that's. I I don't know if I could pick a favorite to be honest with you. I've got to. I'll tell you what. Here's what we, I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to think about that. And the next time we talk, we'll, we'll we'll that'll be my first answer I give you. Okay. Sounds great. Now, where can people find you uh, on the internet and and around? Uh, first of all, my website is michaelgrandinetti.com. And so I, I invite people to please check out my website. It has a bunch of pictures and videos and, and information on our show from over the years. And then YouTube, we have our YouTube channel, and that's under my name, Michael Grandinetti. And currently we have 60 um, videos up from our performances on television and around the country. And then social media, I'm on Facebook under Michael Grandinetti. On Twitter, I'm Grandinetti MG. And on Instagram, I'm Michael Grandinetti. And I always welcome people to, you know, by all means, please feel free to connect and get in touch. And if anyone ever has any questions, you know, I love to, I love to connect with people and I love to hear from people. So um, anybody who's listening, by all means, feel free to connect. And, uh, you know, I'd love for you to stay in touch with us on, uh, on social media. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. And... Um, just some house cleaning to close out the year. Um, we have a new co-host, Brianne, from our uh, A-Show episode. She will be joining us as a co-host in 2018. Also, we will be giving away copies of We Love You, Sally Callermichael, the uh, Darren Tufts uh, written and produced uh, film. We'll be giving out uh, copies of that this this week on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And just stay tuned for great upcoming shows um, next year. We've got um, Beekman Boys, Tinker's Cat Cafe, uh, Goat Yo- 
Utah, and um, so much more. So thank you, as always. We'll see you next time.